diverter. Yes, I have actually rebuilt the TARDIS before, you know. I know what I'm doing. You're like a nine-year-old trying to rebuild a motorbike in his bedroom. And you never read the instructions. I always read the instructions. There's a sign on my front door. You have been walking past it for 700 years. What does it say? That's not instructions. There's an instruction at the bottom. What does it say? Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? I push. Every single time, 700 years, police box doors open out the way. I think I have earned the right to open my front doors any way I want. Your front doors? Have you any idea how childish that sounds? You are not my mother. You are not my child. You know, since we're talking with mouths, not really an opportunity that comes along very often, I just want to say, you know, you have never been very reliable. And you have? You didn't always take me where I wanted to go. No, but I always took you where you needed to go. Welcome to Two Guys, a Girl, in the podcast. We're talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about a new series, six, season six, episode called The Doctor's Wife, which is written by none other than Neil Gaiman. I am Ken. Jeff. Annie. And this episode, we find out about the doctor's wife. Mm. This is one of my favorite episodes, hands down. Yeah. I think it's just such an original concept, original concept. I like the way that the, the, Idris was kind of handled with becoming the TARDIS and everything. I like the way she kind of viewed the world as the TARDIS would have. I thought that was just so original. It's interesting because I think at the time when I watched this, I don't know, you know, they did something similar to this in the New Adventures, right? Where the the TARDIS becomes... Um, sort of like a, a, a sentient. Well, they've always he, hinted at that. But. Yeah, they lose his TARDIS, and one of his companions actually becomes a TARDIS. Oh, I didn't read that. And they like walk right into her. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. But they've always but kind of is, alluded to the fact that the that the TARDIS had some sort of sentience or anything, and and this this episode sort of brings that all out, which I thought was pretty neat. And, and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I heard. I was I didn't know too much about Neil Gaiman, but I knew he was a, a good writer. So when when you you hear that Neil Gaiman's going to be writing for Doctor Who, you're you're excited, and mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know at least for this one, <laughs> maybe not his next one. Well, the second one is yeah, it's not as good, but yeah, now that people have seen his the Sandman series and gone and tried to read some of the Sandman comic books. Yeah, you see how good he really is. Before we get into this, though, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Jeff, about all the stuff that you've been watching? Or I watched Luther, which would have been good for Julia was here, but because she's into the crime thing, she was one of the ones that she recommended. And I thought it was good. It has Idris Elba, who's and one of the people that they want to be James Bond. And I just look, I think he'd be better as a villain because it seems like... <laughs> His characters seem to be uh, more villainy than anything. So he's like, it was he's just like a strange cop who seems to not have any regard for the rules or the law and stuff like that. It's just like there's five series. I watched all five, and it was it was it wasn't bad. But I don't think I'd watch it again. <laughs> and then I watched another movie that he was in with another guy who's rumored to be James Bond, the guy who was in the the bad guy in the Eternals, who ended up being the bad guy in the Eternals. I can't remember his name. But it was a cop 
it was another cop thing. I'm like, geez, he's kind of playing the same character, except he's playing an American cop in in Paris, and he's from England. So anyway. Hmm. So getting back to um, um, the doctor's wife, um, does someone want to, well, let's see here. Best line, she go, he, he always says, why don't you take me where I want to go? Or something like that, or I can't, you know, she goes, oh, I take you where you're needed. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was yeah. like probably the best line of the, especially when they're having the banter back and forth, when they're making the, the TARDIS to escape the house's planet thing there. Yeah. I like when she said, you stole me and I stole you. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating to see the relationship between them and... Oh! Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. Michael Shane plays yeah, voice. the voice. He's also in that Neil Gaiman uh, yeah. thing with, with David Tennant. I never realized that. Good omens. Yeah. Has Michael Sheen been in another episode of Doctor Who? Not physically. I, I don't, don't think. know. People actually wanted him to be the Doctor. Yeah, but I, didn't I know, see how I know that's him. Possible. I know him mostly from Passengers. I think is the movie with um um. It's the movie where, the, where the, the, everyone's on board a spaceship and two people wake up. Um. Has anyone seen that? Nope. He, he he played this robotic um, um, bartender, <laughs> and, and I thought he was pretty good. Uh, Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence were in it. Uh, oh, I heard the ads for it now. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. It's a pretty good movie. It, it kind of, you know, it's kind of creepy, but it, it, it's kind of a neat movie. Jennifer Lawrence. She was the first female um, um, movie star. Anyways. Uh, sorry. I guess no one knows. Unders- no one knows what I'm talking about. No. Jennifer Lawrence. Was- like I said, I remember, I remember the ads for it. That's about it. Jennifer Lawrence had come out and said that her character of Katniss in the Hunger Games was one of the was the first sort of female hero. Well, about Ripley and Alien, right back. Oh well, yeah, and, and and Sigourney Weaver texted and said, uh. I'm. I think. I think Ripley was probably influenced by Katniss as well, or something. She would say something. Sorry, think about it. Yeah, that came out what seventy-eight. Okay. Yeah, seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Uh, seventy-nine. Yeah. So, um, good cast. I don't know who uh, the, the, the Idris. I don't know. She's been in a lot of different stuff too. Oh, Serene Jones. Yeah. Yes. This wasn't bad because the one of the good parts is when uh, Amy and Warrior were running through the TARDIS, and they're getting locked in. <laughs> she gets separated, of course, from Rory, and then she sees older versions of Rory, and Rory ends up wanting to kill her. And I'm like, wow, they are acting like a married couple. But anyway, <laughs> they're just like she's like running, and she sees sees scrawlings on the TARDIS. Well, kill Amy. I hate Amy. <laughs> And she's like getting driven crazy by that, and especially when she sees uh, the old Rory, and then the best version of Rory was Skeleton Rory, and and then eventually she gets back with modern time Rory. So I thought that was kind of neat the way they were jerk. They had the house was jerking her around with you know 
her and mm-hmm. Rory around. I thought that was pretty good. I like how you referenced that she hadn't waited for him, but he waited for her. And which that kind of leads, yeah, yeah, which kind of leads us to next season, the girl who waited, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess um, this episode was originally written with David Tennant in mind. Um, and they had to switch it around a little bit. Um, I know, I remember hearing that Neil Gaiman... A lot of people wanted him to be the showrunner for a while, uh, you know. Given the fact that this episode was so good, and then he only did one other one, right? Yeah, um, right. In, in my opinion, that Cyberman one, one, which was, was yeah. bad. As, so yeah. that that TARDIS, that makeshift TARDIS set, was designed by a twelve-year-old uh, girl. She won a contest on Blue Peter to uh, make make a makeshift TARDIS, and they took her. S- her design and made the set. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize so, that. It was pretty. Yeah. Pretty cool looking. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it obviously, looks well. It looks like something that <laughs> they would have made in the sixties. <laughs> yeah, but that, I think that's the point because it had yeah. those. Yeah. It was just put together with scrap of all the other Tardises that got dragged there. Which kind of leads you to believe why didn't House escape in one of the other Tardises? I mean, he escapes in the Doctor's TARDIS, but why didn't he use one of the other Time Lord's TARDISes? There was like, must have been at least 20 of those um, communication boxes. Well, so. it sounds like he didn't have an Idris before that he actually emptied to put the old, the new consciousness in, is my interpretation of it. Mm. And yeah, I think this is the last one, so he kind of had to panic and rush and everything, so he didn't plan everything out. That's why they're able to defeat him. So. And Uncle and Auntie are more or less patch, patchwork humans of, of the rest of the Time Lords that they killed. Yes. Speaking of the rest of the Time Lords, I, do, I thought that was very interesting the way they brought the Corsair in, and I want to see a story with the Corsair at some point. What's the Corsair? He was the, one of the Doctor's friends. He was the first one they got the message for. The little white box with the with his voice in it, and they show the tattoo on his arm mm-hmm. on Auntie, so you know that he was really dead. But it sounds like they they could have had good adventures together. So it'd be interesting to see if it, if they would bring that character, if they would introduce the character at some point. I doubt it. I think they did something in a comic book. Did they? Okay, I don't yeah. read the comics. It was either comic or Doctor Magazine. I don't remember. Okay. I do remember. Uh, I'm trying to catch up a little bit because I obviously didn't watch this episode. But um, it, when I heard about this initially, I was like, oh, God. But um, I thought they did a really good job with it. I was very surprised. And that's um, one of the things that um, that sometimes these seas- this season with Moffat could potentially – he starts to go in one direction and you're like, oh. But then he, he able, he's – yeah, and I know he didn't – write this up well he didn't write this episode but he was certainly part of the executive producer and bringing someone in that's such a good writer you know and that's why you mentioned the next one the Cyberman episode was such a big disappointment in my mind because i i was looking forward i like Cyberman, i like neil gaiman but you know for some reason i can remember that episode more than i can remember this one even though i i do remember liking this one a lot 
I think Moffat's influence can be seen with all the foreshadowing that the TARDIS does, because the TARDIS can see every all everything in time, it sounds like. The whole Petrichor thing, the yeah. whole the hints about River. Yeah. I, I think, um, does that kind of, the idea that the TARDIS is, can, is sort of, it, it kind of answers everything. It's sort of like a fandom it would be something that someone in fi- uh, fan fiction would, would write where it explains everything. Like the idea that I'm bringing you to where you need to be. Like, why did the doctor show up randomly on this planet with his, with his um, companions? Is it possible that the TARDIS was partially responsible? It takes some of the mystery out of it. It seems to answer it. Like, why is the doctor always going to bad situations? Well, it's because the TARDIS is bringing him. Is that what we get out of that? Or am I just kind of reaching on that? I don't think you're reaching. Um, well, it doesn't seem like it's a bad thing to me. I mean, the TARDIS no. wanted to get on Hat of Adventures, it sounded like. So she chose him and he chose her and they both ran off together. Yeah. So she's getting adventures too. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, mm. up in uh, um, that episode there, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whatever that episode was. I mean, well, she got blown up a few times. Um, That's not the way to treat sexy. I mean, come on, boom, blowing <laughs> her up. Yeah. It, it it felt to me that this this to a degree it felt like this is more of a fan fiction because this is something that some fan would would put together and go. Oh, here's the here's the TARDIS, and she's and he, he's the Doctor's wife, blah blah blah. But I think I went into this episode thinking that, and then but I'm like, no, no, he he's doing this correctly, and um, in a in a season that really wasn't that good, this one certainly stand, stood out as probably my favorite of that season. I wouldn't say it's fan fiction. I think maybe the idea could be, but I think the execution was just so far above it anything that yeah. fan fiction could really do. I mean, one thing that the doctor said is that I don't really know what to do and that's a new feeling. We haven't really seen him to have that feeling to that ex- this extent before. Yeah. He's always had something in plan and, and some idea right. behind the scenes. He's always manipulating something. And here he's just really out of his element. He doesn't even have his TARDIS. He's not the man in the box without the box. It, you know, it's so funny. I'm looking at the AI, the um, um, audience appreciation index, mm-hmm. and um, I almost feel that the audience appreciation index by this point in the Doctor Who history is almost useless. Because when you look at this whole season, it doesn't deviate much. Um, it goes from 88 to 85. And the whole second half of this season was all 85 and 86. There was no deviation. And so this one, which I think is heralded as one of the best, I know a lot of people like this one, is an 87, which is good. Mm-hmm. But it's the one before it, Curse of Black Spot is 86. And Day of the Moon is 87. And Impossible Astronaut is 88. So there's really no, and Good Man Goes to War is 88. How is that freaking possible? It, it just, you know. They're all kind of the same, but I remember, and maybe they all are, you know. They're higher, though, when it go, when you go back to Russell T. Sorry for derailing. A little That's bit. okay. 
I mean, to me, I would think this would be like a 95 because, again, it is one of my favorite episodes. I just yeah. thought it was so original. I even like when the TARDIS, when Idris can make that sound with her, the TARDIS sound when she opens her mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, I just thought the way that she approached the whole world with grasping for words and everything and how people are bigger on the inside mm-hmm. um, and how alive is stabbed when it's over. I thought those concepts were such interesting concepts. Yeah. Um, I also That's thought that I thought it was interesting when, when, um, God, I'm like her name, Amy Pond, when Amy said, that um, don't get emotional. That's when you make mistakes. And she goes, "Oh, he's getting emotional." <laughs> yeah, he was really emotional for him in this episode because he was—he had his hopes so high when he heard the Corsair's voice, and then he heard the other doctor, the other Time Lord voices. He was like, "My people, I won't be alone anymore." And then, of course, the hopes got dashed, and he loses everything. He loses his TARDIS. So he went from a high to a low. And then he loses Amy and Rory. Amy's in danger and he can't do anything about it. Mm. I'm certainly looking forward to watching this episode again. I apologize for not watching in time. It, it's well, so, in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and I do remember liking it a lot. I was looking forward to it, but... Um, it, it just doesn't. When you look at the rest of the season, it's it, in my opinion, it doesn't. Even, nothing ever even comes close to this episode. And I think to a degree, mm-hmm. then the following or um, well, let, let me rephrase that. One of my, I think the only one that's probably better than this is the girl who waited. I love that episode, and those two are kind of like the high points of this season, and they're both written, not written by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> How come every time someone takes over the show, their their writing sucks? You know, I shouldn't say that. Because they don't have anyone to rein them in. <clears throat> that could be it, yeah. Maybe. How do you guys feel about the foreshadowing that was in there? Because there was a whole bunch in this. A lot of the things that were that we saw in later episodes were here mentioned as, like the, like I said, the Petrichor and all the hints about River. Oh. I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. if I liked the, all of that or the not. The water I, in the forest is a river. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I hate I hate when they do stuff like that. I just don't like River. So I've never like Russell T. Davis used to, well, I don't like River that much either. I mean she's okay, but um I, I don't like how she River comes in and goes, spoilers because Yeah, that gets annoying. And and what it is, it's it's basically and Moffat was good at doing this. The writers he, he Moffat felt like he was he was clever. And his argument from his episodes with Russell T. Davis, he is. I mean, those episodes are some of the best of, of mm-hmm. the Russell T. Davis era. There's no denying that. And they won awards and blah, blah, blah. But when he took over the show, his cleverness sort of caught up with him. And he started to get, like, with the whole impossible astronaut cycle, we're trying to figure it out, and he's too clever for us. And when that becomes to the point where the answer is like, wait a minute, he kind of cheats his way out of it. It's like, and, and, and if you watch an episode and you walk away from it going, I didn't understand what was going on. And Julia has a lot of trouble with some of these episodes. And I think, um, I don't know about you, Annie, because I haven't heard enough of your episode reviews, but um, 
sometimes I'm having trouble, not that I don't understand the episode, but because it's too complex. It doesn't need to be as complex as it is, but mm-hmm. Moffat does that to come off as being clever. But in reality, you can muddle up a script so much that you can tell it's disguising the fact that it really isn't that good. Um, or it it becomes, he adds too much of the cleverness that it take, it detracts from the episode. It's like, if you hadn't put all that extra stuff in there, it would have been really good. And this is an example of Doctor's Wife where there's, other than the fact that they throw in all that stuff that I, I have to imagine Moffat was like, hey, Neil, can you put all this stuff in? <laughs> or he added it himself. Well, yeah, but, and when you do that, it's like the the rose showing up on the TV screen in midnight. It's just like it's like it's like they're like little commercials and teasers for what's coming up, and I don't like that. It's a little distracting. You're getting yeah. to the episode, and suddenly you're like thrown. This is thrown at you, and it's like, oh, what do we have to watch out for now? You know? Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm talking about. Uh, that episode, the one that annoyed me the most um, when this happened was... Like, no, I can't find it. Uh, was it the Doomsday? Yeah. Doomsday, I thought, was a really good episode. That was the, the where Rose gets left into the other dimension and stuff, and the Doctor has to say goodbye to her. So sad. But I thought it was a really good episode. And then it ends on the the um donna showing up and all anyone could talk about was that and then the same thing with um the end of last of the time lords which sucked but we had the the titanic show up and um Mm -hmm. it just it feels to me that it just everyone was like they thought last of the time lords was one of the best episodes ever because they were so excited because the titanic crashed into the tardis and i'm like wait a minute you're you're now giving that episode credit because of the last top couple seconds teasing the next episode, which ended up not being. Well, I, I like that episode, but some people didn't. So, but when you tease stuff like that, I think it it detracts from the episode. Um, I can take it, a little. I can take a little of it, but if it's yeah. too much, and there was a lot in this episode because of the whole all-knowing yeah. nature of the TARDIS. Yeah. Again, I I thought some of it was okay, but. It does kind of take you out of the story a little bit. So like, okay, now, yeah, yeah. Like, especially having seen all the past, all the future episodes, now you're like, oh, that's where they introduced that, and that's where they introduced that, and yeah, we got to watch out for that later. And and I think it comes off as being clever, but it it really, like you said, I totally agree. I, I don't like that stuff at all, um, unless it's done more subtle or if it's done retroactively, like. The idea, and in, in, uh, here I am bringing this episode back, Remembrance of the Daleks, where we, we go ahead and we're technically kind of attached directly to the Unearthly Child episode. That was done backwards. It wasn't like an Unearthly Child you can look and say, ah, I see the kid that was you know, skipping that. She's in the background, an Unearthly Child. No. No. But they wrote it backwards, and so that's kind of, that's better. But when they, they say, well, we know what the scripts are, so we can go ahead and put these hints in for the future. Eh, okay. And Rivers is a voice for that sometimes. 
she kind of like says, you know, ooh, I can't tell you. She turns to the audience almost and says, spoilers, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. And I feel like saying, screw you, I don't care. <laughs> but other than that, this episode was really good. My, my vague yes. memories of it. Um, I don't cosplay, but if I ever did cosplay, I'd want to worry. Cosplay is dangerous. Yeah. She's one of my favorite characters. I just thought the whole, like I keep saying, the whole concept, which is so interesting, and the way it was handled was so well done. If, um, have you seen anyone cosplay it? Not in person. I've seen pictures online. Yeah. I'm trying to look right now. I I can't see. I um, think I have, but it was in New York. At New York Comic Con. That was a long time ago. Well, it, it, isn't it kind of? I'm, I'm trying to remind myself. It's just kind of like, um, like shabby. It's shabby. piecemeal. It, yeah. It's piecemeal, like, like aunt and uncle are put together from different people's body parts. Her outfit seems like it's put together from yeah. different outfits. So, I guess it would be you would you would want to make the hair puffy and my hair's like that anyway (laughs) (laughs) well there you go you can start working on that for uh the upcoming uh convention yeah maybe it's just a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) kind of a neat idea who could i dress up as cosplay you'd be somebody (laughs) from space 1999 yeah mary whitehouse you could be mary whitehouse (laughs) That would be that would go over really well in a costume. That that would be. I'm surprised. I'm sure someone has done it. Just to, on a you, someone goes up and goes, "Hey, I'm anyway and, and I think I think people would get a kick out of that. That would be funny. Yes. Um, and then the Dalek comes out and exterminates her. <laughs> um. Do you do you um do we know why maybe I know Neil Gaiman's working on other things. Would you want to see him back? I mean, so I, we don't need to review the next the, the Cyberman episode, but what would you think of that episode, Annie? The, the 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 other one that Neil Gaiman did. I like that one too. I like the concept of the Doctor talking to himself. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Well, I don't know if we did that one yet, Jeff. But when we do that one, I'll, we haven't I'll, done that one. I'll yet. rip into that one. But I I love that concept too. But I think they executed it wrong. Um. I have to see it again. I haven't seen it in ages. Yeah. I, I kind of wished he had done more, and maybe he will. I mean, you know, I don't know. He's busy doing his own stuff now, so I think that's more of a priority for him. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to see, because I know he's a good writer. I didn't know. I've seen some other ones. They do Mirror, was it mirror World or something, or a couple of Have you seen Good Omens? No, I never watched that. Um for some reason i just i just couldn't get into that uh, i could have i guess but i i did like um american gods i didn't yes i like the american book gods i watched the move the series I, I don't i think there's been a third season i never watched i just grew out of those some of those shows but i thought th- that was pretty good what else has he done i don't know if i've read too many of his books um maybe one or two but Nothing that stands out for me. So I'm not a huge fan, but I, I did think he did good with this. 
I think Selena has all the trade paperbacks or whatever. You could probably borrow them from her. Well, I know, I know, but I don't really. Yeah, I know she's a big fan of him. Um. So yeah, definitely a good one. Maybe the best of this season. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nope. Thanks for listening.